Hello everyone and welcome to the Game of Loans podcast. This week I'm sharing with you my Monday mortgage melt. Now the reason why, I don't do this every single week, but the reason why I think this week was so important was simply because um, that we've got the... um, We've got the budget coming up on the 17th, which is this Thursday, um, and we talk a lot about my predictions, and I thought it would be good for you, those of you that want to um, sit and listen to this on a Tuesday or a Wednesday on your commute to or from work um, to get a bit of insight. Loads of great questions, as always, um, and if you want to get involved in the Monday Mortgage Mail, I go live on Instagram every single Monday at 5pm, so if you don't follow me on Instagram, go and follow me at the Sam Norris, and you'll be able to come and join us on the Monday Mortgage Mail, where we get a ton of questions all to do with property finance, property investing, um, and here is a little taster coming right up now. Hello everybody and welcome to the Monday Mortgage Melt episode 114. Every time I say these numbers I just get more and more um, like amazed with the fact that I've been doing this for for this long but I love doing it so that's actually the reason. Um, So welcome everybody to the Monday Mortgage Melt. Did you miss me? I had a week off last week because me and the missus were, um, were away in the Lake District um, we had an amazing week away. Do you know what? From just talking from a business perspective, as as many of you know, yes, I'm on here. I'm talking about um, mortgages. I'm talking about property finance. I'm talking about all that sort of stuff. Hi, Suzanne. How you doing? Um, but I love chatting about what I'm learning about growing my business, Grand Union Finance. And last week was a massive, massive, massive step for us. And the reason for that was I went away on holiday um, for the first time since I started Grand Union Finance and had no real intentions of doing pretty much anything. I think I had intentions of maybe checking my emails a couple of times. I checked them once on my laptop. I am, um, we ha- we use Slack to communicate as we're a remote team. Um, and I checked that a few times and I had to get in touch with one client. But apart from that, the whole purpose of that last of last week was not only for me to be a bit more revitalized, um, you know, and be, and be back ready and ready to go. I think rest is so important when you're trying to succeed in life. It's so hard mentally to get around the fact of you not doing anything for a particular period of time, but actually, you are doing something, you're actively recovering and making yourself better and work to a better level. I was working at 70% of my of my potential over the last couple of months um, in a quite a difficult market. I was tired all the time. I won't lie to you, there have been at least half a dozen times in the last three or four months where I have had to stop work early and take an afternoon nap for an hour and then come back to work because I was so, so tired. So, uh, you know, um, was it a break as good as a rest? Basically, I had both. Um, but what was amazing was the team absolutely rocked it last week. Uh, Ruby, my operations manager, ably assisted by Jay, our case manager, and Chanel, our specialist broker, as a team were phenomenal. They got on and did absolutely everything that was needed. And effectively, for a short period of time anyway, I was surplus to, requ- to requirements. Now, I am still you know, the, the big lead generator of the company. I'm the one that talks to clients and, and, and works out what we need to do and strategizes with them. Um, but in terms of just running the day-to-day operations, the team were absolutely amazing. So it was a great, great, great all-round experience from a business point of view. The business showed that they, they didn't need me um, day in, day out to be working on absolutely everything. Um, the team are so freaking brilliant. I can't tell you how much, how proud I am 
of them and how they um, and how they reacted and how they did last week. It was it was phenomenal. Um, what it goes to show is that you know we are now in a position where we can start taking things further. I have massive ambitions for Grand Union Finance. I want to take us you know to the moon. Um, I genuinely believe we have the potential to be the, the best brokerage in the country um, because the way that we think about helping our clients is completely different to any other brokerage out there. Um, and I just want to I want to help more clients. So to do that, we need more good people. And in doing so, I can help more of the best brokers find a place where they can call home and the best people in the industry find a place that they can call home, um, not working for some of these brokerages that just slam you and you're just a number. Um, and all it is is sales, sales, sales. I'm not into that. Um, so very last week was very exciting for two reasons, um, obviously because of that, but also because I managed to get a good break. But we are back with a vengeance this week for episode 114 of the Monday Mortgage Melt. And I'm really happy that all of you are joining. We're up to 10 at the moment. Um, a few short of coming in and out. Um, but let's, for all of you that haven't been on the Monday Mortgage Melt before, let's do a little recap as to what the hell we are doing. So every week at 5pm, I come live and I answer your questions to do with anything to do with property finance um, live. Um, we'll take live questions um, as well as questions that have been asked via my stories earlier on in the day. During the day, I will put a story up with a little question box, which are my priority questions. I'll go through those at the beginning of the live uh, and then it's over to you guys. If you want to ask me a question to do with anything to do with property finance, property investing, to be honest, there's, there's, it's no holes barred. Ask me anything that you want. You know, where do I get my hair cut? Not that you're going to want to know, I presume. Um, but anything you want to ask, um, there is nothing that is off the agenda for today's live. Um, all you need to do is just use the little question box down in the bottom right-hand corner, not the comments, because as you can see, Luke, KNSU, uh, Property with Vic, um, Mo Turner, they've all joined just now. And every time they joined, they have, if you had put a question in the comments, it would have pushed it further and further off. And in fact, those for joining would have pushed it completely out of my periphery and I won't remember it. So the only way for me to remember your question is stick it down there. And as you'll see in a minute, it also allows me to put the question on the screen so everyone can see it. So those that are joining a little bit late are going to be able to get some context, context, context as to what the bloody hell we're talking about. But you might be thinking that's all well and good, Sam. Great, lovely. That's, you know, you, you come on and answer our questions, but actually, why do we care what you think? Well, by way of a little bit of an introduction, um, I am Sam Norris. I am the property investors broker. I didn't come up with that phrase. It was quoted in a magazine once, which was bloody lovely because I can now use it whenever I want. Um, and I run a company called Grand Union Finance. We specialize in helping property investors and developers raise finance, be it through mortgages, bridging, development finance, commercial mortgages, whatever it might be, to help them succeed as property investors and developers. That is our life goal, to help all of our clients be the very, very best property investors in the country and succeed in hitting their targets, hitting their goals, and just having a bloody great life through the investment of um, into property. So that's that's me. I've been doing this now for 16 years. So during that time, I've helped thousands of investors, and I really hope that means that any question you throw at me, guys, I'm gonna know the answer to. So any questions that you've got, use the little question box down in the bottom right-hand corner, um, type your question in there, and I will run through those during the course of the live. Um, obviously, the last couple of weeks, there's been lots going on in the, in the market. I have been keeping tabs on what's been going on in terms of the mortgage market. We have seen rate reductions, which is bloody great. Um, finally, we've had probably 
you know, a month and a half to, to a month and a, well, month and a half to two months of Trussonomics, which was basically, that is Captain Subtext for shite. Um, and it means that the market has taken an absolute tumble. Mortgage rates gone through the roof. Everyone's not happy. We've seen today that the mortgage, uh, the property market um, has dropped by 1.1%, um, which basically takes us back to almost to pre-COVID days, apparently. Um, I haven't read that article properly yet, but I will do. Um, so property, the property market is on the decline as a result of Truss and her kamikaze uh, mini budget, uh, as well as various other things. Mr. Sunak is now in charge um, with Jeremy and they are due to have a budget announcement on Thursday this week. Um, and on that subject, talking of free live stuff for you, over on my Instagram page on uh, Thursday afternoon at 2.30, I am going to be going live to discuss the outcome of the budget and the implications for you guys specifically to do with changes to how you can manage your tax with the very best. Yes, not just the best, the queen, in fact, the property tax Queen, yes, Amy Richardson, property tax queen. If you don't follow her already on Instagram, um, once you've finished up here, make sure you search for her and go and follow her page. She is the property tax queen and she'll be joining me on live on my Insta uh, on my YouTube channel. So if you don't follow me on YouTube uh, or subscribe to my channel, um, just go over to YouTube, type in Sam Norris, you will find me. Subscribe to the channel um, and you'll be able to get a notification for when we go live at 2.30. We're going to be discussing the budget, uh, what's going on, what's happened, what you need to be thinking about, what's important for property investors um, and all, in, all that's in between. So something um, that I'm really, really excited about. I've been trying to um, work out something that me and uh, Amy can do together. We're very good friends. Um, and, uh, and I thought, what a great opportunity. Tax is always a major, major player in any budget. I think it's going to be a major player in the budget on Thursday. But I am very, very hopeful that um, Rishi and Jeremy, because um, I'm sure they're doing this together. I mean, to be honest, at the moment, um, Jeremy has, um, has basically, he's, he's Chancellor of the Exchequer, but he get he has like the backing of one of the best economic minds in, um, in UK politics. Um, so makes his job slowly, slightly evening. Uh, good afternoon. Good evening to you, sir, too. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting one. I don't think the papers are going to like it because all they're going to do is look at the doom and gloom of the man and woman on the street and how it's going to negative effect, negatively affect them. But don't forget, guys, something that is, you know, we need the uh, the Chancellor, we need the PM to bring in economic policy that's going to help our economy. That doesn't necessarily mean short-term help for, um, you know, for, for people on, on, you know, on the street. The, and when I say on the street, it's just like it's a, it's a phrase in it. I don't actually mean the homeless people. Um, but don't forget, we got a lot of handouts over the last couple of years. There is payback for that. Um, and to support our economy, we are going to have to do that. Tax is probably going to have to go up. There's going to be lots of stuff going on. Um, it's not going to look great from the outside looking in. But I trust me, I think these guys do actually know what they're talking about, as opposed to the last couple of um, morons. Um, and uh, and I think it's going to be a positive budget from for those in the know, of which I count all of you guys amongst those, of course. But... Let's get into it. Let's start talking a little bit more about, or let's start going into some questions. We're 10 minutes in. Now, I think I did get one or two questions coming from stories earlier on. So I'm going to kick off with them. But for, go, for those of you that have just joined, if you want to ask me anything you want with regards to property finance, with regards to the property market, property investing, whatever it might be, just use the little question box down here. So let's get cracking with question numero uno um, from my story earlier on, um, which is... Um, all to do with bridging, okay? So, and, and all to do with per, um, 
uh, buying a property using bridging. Now they've used the word bid, so I'm gonna assume they mean bidding or auction. So the question is, should you bid for a property first or apply for a bridge first? This is actually a really, really good question. And I sometimes forget because obviously I do this day in, day out. And when I often actually say to investors, even some of my investors that are like, you know, are some of the best in the country um, who have done hundreds of transactions, I'm like, I've done thousands. Like, so I do this, like this is every single day occurrence for me. So I'm not trying to big myself up by saying that. It sounded like I was blowing my own trumpet. Trust me, that wasn't the intention. What I meant was, these transactions I see multiple going on at any one time. So, um, so in terms of logistics, in terms of knowing how we structure things, when to do the right thing, you know, the team at Grand Union are so good at making sure everything is stacked up correctly. We do something actually that very few other brokerages do, which is that we get everything we need together to apply for a loan before we actually apply for it. What a lot of brokers, brokers actually do, and what a lot of lenders sort of do when they're speaking to clients and customers directly is they'll go, right, apply, then we'll have a look at it and then we'll send you a list of what we need. Well, we know what they need, so we get that done in advance. Um, and for bridging, this is really, really important. So let's use this um, scenario of buying a property at auction and using a bridging loan to help purchase that. Now, why do we use a bridging loan for auction? Well, because you just ain't got enough time to get a mortgage in the 20 working days, particularly at the moment, uh, with lenders taking as long as they are, um, to, to fit within that time frame. So that's generally the main reason we're using it, but a lot of my clients are buying properties that are run down, maybe unmortgageable, maybe they wanna be doing works to them and then they're gonna be refinancing out up, you know, based on a higher um, higher property value within sort of five, six, seven, eight months. That's the kind of genuine, when we're talking about this BRR, buy, refurbish, refinance strategy, my clients will genuinely refinance out between five and eight months. That is the average time frame. Depending which side of six months we're at, will depend on which lenders we go for. Um, that's really what we're talking about. So bridging is the right product for that too. So when do we apply for the bridge? Well, that's, it's not quite as simple as that. We apply for the bridge the same day we win the auction, but we get it set up beforehand. We get our ducks in a row. Now, a lot of you are gonna be like, well, is that not just a waste of time? Because what if we don't get it? Well, if we don't get it, we don't apply for the loan. And yeah, it's a bit of a ball ache. And yes, I guess for us brokers, we're probably thinking, is it a waste of time? If they don't win the auction, it's annoying. But if you're doing bridging week in, week out, you should know what you need to do anyway um and so this kind of stuff is pretty straightforward so what we will do is um so when i'm when i'm looking at the best bridging loans for my clients a lot of it is up here as much as you can go out into the market i bet you if you typed in um bridging bridging loan search engine or something on google i'm sure some shite will come up um, where you can put details in and it will tell you how much you know it's going to cost you for this that and the other don't listen to it Cost is only one very, very minute part of arranging a bridging loan. A lot of what, what um, we do is up here. So when I'm speaking to a client, it's all about going, right, let me think of a short list of say five lenders in my head that are gonna be the best for this particular transaction and this particular client. I, if it's an auction, we need to know that they're gonna be able to get it done in time. Just because it's bridging doesn't mean it's quick, guys. Some lenders are quicker than others. Um, that sounded a bit Smith-esque, didn't it? Some bridges are quicker than others. Um, <laughs> and um, so you need to be able to pick and choose the right one, 
best service, but you don't want it to be too expensive. You've got to find that right balance, strike that right, right balance between flexibility, cost, and speed. That's my little bridging triangle that I use, um, and they're the priorities. They're the three things, speed, flexibility, cost, which one of those is the most important? So flexibility could be loan to value. Do you need to borrow 75% loan to value? If yes, that is not the standard bridging loan, by the way, guys. 70% is more a standard bridging loan. Not all lenders will just do 75%. So if we, if we need to borrow 75%, flexibility is up there on our priority list. If we're buying at auction, guess what? Speed is definitely up there. I would actually say that as much as you've got 20 working days to complete on an auction, really you want the, the um, you want a lender that can do it in 15 working days because then we have that buffer at the end. There's always some bollocks that comes up at the end that slows everything down. And a lot of it is actually just movement of money, last minute, last last day, last 24 hour stuff that needs to get done. Oh, it's a real ball ache, but we got to deal with it. We got to do. We've got to do what we need to do. So, um, what the uh, what we will do um, with with that is, is as I said, I'm talking to a client. I'm understanding what what's needed. We're looking at the auction lot. We're seeing what um, what the uh, what sort of price we're probably going to go in at. What's going to be our maximum bid? We're actually analysing the deal. You know, how are we going to exit? What are we going to be refinancing? We're going to be selling. What works going to be done? How much is that going to be cost costing us? We're working all of that out in front and in, in at the front end. So then we know how much our maximum bid is going to be. So we'll do. We'll work out. Um, we'll, we'll get terms in place with a bridging lender for that maximum. We can always bring it down. Don't forget. So. That's what happens next is I will then go away, I'll create what we call a um, a funding proposal. It goes out to those lenders. I'm not going to flood the market. I'm not going to do what some brokers do and just send a couple of lines out and copy in like 30 lenders and go, which one of you wants to do it? That is bollocks. And if you come across any broker that does that, please sack them off because it gets them out of the industry. We need those people out. OK, we just want us. We want the good brokers left in. We want our our industry to be full of great individuals doing great work for, for our clients. Um, I'm I'm. I get angry when clients come to me, new clients come to me and go, well, I haven't been treated very well by another broker. That upsets me. Um, I would prefer people to come to me because they just want to do some great work, not because someone else has done a shit job for them. I want our whole industry to stand up and be be brilliant and do better. And that goes for lenders, it goes for solicitors, it goes for surveyors, it goes for brokers, it goes for agents. I want everyone to do a better job um, than what they're doing right now. And we should all aspire to do that. But anyway... Um, so I'm strategically going to certain lenders um, and they will be coming back to me with what we call heads of terms or credit back terms, decision in principle, agreement in principle, different lenders call it different things, but effectively it is a rundown of, um, they've, they've been able to analyze the deal properly, they can see the property, I send them Google Maps links, everything, so they can really make a decision, their credit team can have a look at it, make a decision as to how much, whether they're gonna do it or not, what loans value they'll go to, and on what terms, what interest rate, what fees are they gonna charge um, to take on this loan. I can have a look through them, I can make a decision, is it best to go for this lender? They might be slightly more expensive, but they said they can do it quicker. So we have a bit more confidence in their ability to get it done and get it over the line. And effectively, we we will make a decision on probably our priority, our number one lender, and then our backup lender. And I will be very honest with all those lenders. I'll go back to them individually and I'll say, you didn't make the cut for this reason. Um, so they know it's good for their um, good to know from, from their point of view what else is going on in the market. So I'm very, very big on, on doing that. Um, and I have a great relationship with my lenders as a result. 
So we've got our primary, we've got our secondary. I let them know that as well. Um, and we'll, we'll start gathering everything together. We'll be like, right, okay, we've got our terms. We need to get them signed. We need an application form filling out. We need X, Y, Z in terms of documentation. Let's start preparing those. Let's get those ready. So on the day of the, of the application, sorry, the day of the auction, when I get that call from my client, I've won it. Everyone starts partying. Um, I don't. I am getting cracking, or my team are getting cracking, um, getting that application sorted and getting it into a lender because we want to get it in the same day and we want quotes on our valuation, uh, the cost of the valuation, the same day so we can get that booked in within 24 hours of the auction. Not not booked in as in the visit happens within 24 hours, just get it booked. So, because it might take two or three days and then we might have two or three days afterwards. So, we, we might have a, a, a period of about a week and a half where we are waiting for the evaluations to take place and then the report to come back. In that time, we will get all the underwriting uh, completed, done, finalized, ticked off, underwriters happy, subject evaluation, all happy to go. At that point, we'll generally instruct solicitors early. So, We'll probably have to pay a contribution to the lender's legal fees. That's pretty standard. Many of you watching this will know that. Um, and then what happens is we then, um, the your solicitors get notified um, by the lender's solicitors that they are ready to go and they can start doing their work. They can look through the legal pack, uh, cover off anything they need to do. The lenders, solicitors will let them know of all, any inquiries that they need. Um, generally, they'll they'll make let them aware, let, will let them be aware Get my get my words out. We'll make them aware. That's the that's the way around. I'm trying to say. We'll make them aware of any searches and this kind of stuff that needs doing, as well as any indemnity assurances that they can put in place to cover off certain things um, that they're comfortable with that that happening. If you're buying a limited company, we'll also be looking at getting independent legal advice to cover off the personal guarantees. Um, we actually work with a company called, called ILA.com um, who will do all that stuff over the phone. So if you ever need any help on that department, just let me know. I'm happy to put you in touch with Anastasia um, from um, ILA.com and. And, um, and, and we're away once we, we're waiting for the valuation to come back. As soon as that's back, we're just waiting on legals to finalise. And as I said, that hopefully, if everything goes to plan, takes about 15 working days. So as you can see, and maybe because I've, my voice has sped up <laughs> a little bit as well, as I'm getting really excited about all of this, um, you know, the process is pretty frantic, but it can be very organised. It's organised it's organized frantic, if that makes sense. There's lots going on. There's lots of communication, you know, broker, solicitor, lender, valuer, all communicating with one another, lenders, solic lender solicitors, all communicating with one another, all at the same time to push this across. I actually went and had a day, had had a few meetings back to back out of the office, came back to my laptop. We were doing a, um, a bridging loan that needed to complete week before last. And in one day, there were over 30 emails back and forth from the lender solicitors and the client solicitors finalizing um, you know, the, the completion of this loan. So that gives you an idea of the level of communication that should be happening. If you've ever done a bridging loan before and you are not copied into your solicitors' um, emails and you're not seeing you know, at least five or six emails probably going back and forth during the course of the day, I'd question that uh, because this kind of level of communication has to be top, 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 top all the time. Um, so it's taken me 12 minutes to go through this question, but does everyone understand what I'm talking about here? Does everyone understand or does everyone believe I've answered that question correctly? Should you bid for um, a property first or should you apply for a bridge first? It's kind of a bit of both. You don't apply until you've won, but you get it set up beforehand. Does that all make sense, guys? If anyone's got any questions off the back of that, by the way, 
feel free to use that uh, question box for that too. If anyone's got any comments, any any um, scenarios that they want to share, you please use the comments, share it with everyone else. Um, because look, everyone's, everyone's, a lot of us would have been through this. A lot of people that are on this live are investors and have probably applied for a bridging loan before and will have had varying degrees of success, varying degrees of um, enjoyment in terms of the process. So if you've got any horror stories, you've got any um, any great stories to share, stick them in the comments and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll discuss those as we go along. But hopefully, whoever it was that added that in my stories, that has answered your question. If you're on the live right now, um, feel free to stick a, a little thumbs up in the comments um, to let me know that I've got your question uh, covered off for you. But just to kind of reset things a little bit, this is the Monday Mortgage Mail, episode 114. Welcome um, to all of the, you that are joining for the first time and for those of you that aren't and joining for the 114th time. Um, as you will very well know, if you've joined before, this is your opportunity to ask me anything you want. I do this every single uh, fri uh, Friday. What day of the week is it? It's Monday. It's in the title. It's Monday Mortgage Melt. Um, I do this every single Monday at 5pm. If you've got any questions you want to ask me, I am a very experienced mortgage broker. I run a mortgage brokerage specifically for property investors, Grand Union Finance. Um, so any questions you've got for me, you know what to do. Drop them down into the little question box down there and I will get to them. Um, don't put them in the comments because you've seen busy Jay Collis, uh, JM Real Estate joined. They're going to be pushing your question further and further up and I won't get to see it. So let's, should we go on to the next question? Uh, right, next one's from my stories as well. Um, says, hi mate, hello mate. Um, what's your advice for investors at the moment, fix or tracker? Um, really, really, really difficult question right now because um, I think it very much depends on the early repayment charges. Now, we have seen rates come down over the last week or so, fixed rates I'm talking about and tracker rates. Um, the cheapest kind of personal buy to lets are like, I think two, two year is four and a half percent ish. Um, five year is just shy of, um, shy of 5%. So 499, I think there's a one year fixed rate going around at the moment for buy to lets at 399. Um, and there's trackers that are, are in and around that kind of zone as well. For Liberty Company, it's a little bit more still. Um, so for me, the tracker rates are all about early repayment charges. If if there run if if there are if there is an early repayment charge for the first two years, then what is the point of going on a tracker rate when we know within the next two years that the Bank of England base rate is going to be higher than it is right now? You are unless the tracker is like really really low. Um, I think there is one that's like 0.24 percent above base which you know is is really really low at the moment but the reality of it is is that we are going to see the base rate go up again in December I'm actually predicting low I'm predicting 0.25 uh, this might be the first time I've been wrong in a while on that one uh, but it's probably going to be at least well it's going to be at least 0.25 could potentially be 0.5 could potentially be 0.75 so you know that's going to take us up moving towards you know between 3.25 to 3.75 and is there going to be a rate increase in January probably will that continue into next year who knows but there is the potential for it. I do believe that the Bank of England are starting to learn that raising the base rate as the only form of trying to fight inflation is not working. Um, and there should be um, other other things that we should be doing. And in actual fact, it's, it's maybe even starting to damage the economy. Remember, we can't take it too high. We're not in the 1980s. We can't, we, we can't work off of rate a bank of england base rate that's that's six percent we can't we can't do that the, the market would die um so you know we had back we had base we had a base rate of 15 percent in the 80s and it, it it was hard 
but life went on. Life wouldn't be able to go on at 15%, I can assure you of that. So, and, and the Bank of England know this, the government know this, uh, the Chancellor knows this, Rishi knows this. Um, so there will be increased pressure for the Bank of England to not continue to just put the base rate up um, because realistically, they probably long-term want it to settle at around two and a half to 3%, in which case we'll get trackers probably up, you know, 0 0.2, 0 0.3, 0 0.4, 0 0.5 above, and we'll have fixed rates that are slightly above that. And that's where our market will see it long-term. I would imagine. However, right now, knowing that rates are going to continue to go up for the next few months, why would you go to tracker that, that ties you in? Because you know, unless you unless you can predict the future and you and you know that there's definitely only it's only going to go up by half percent in the next six six months, which it won't. It will go up by more. Um, you know, it's very very difficult to 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 work that out. I am recommending to some of my clients that are like trapped on certain rates that it's, it might be a good idea to look at going down the route of getting a um, a tracker rate if there's no early repayment charges, only if there's any no early repayment charges, because then in January, February, March, if rates do take a tumble a little bit in terms of um, mortgage rates, because lenders have been able to start planning a little bit more long term, it's the start of the year again, so they're gonna be, you know, there's gonna be a lot of incentive to get money out the door, the, the annual, um, you know, lending targets are, are go back to zero. Um, so there is going to be a lot of incentive for lenders to want to lend. Um, invariably, what they're going to do is they are going to be in competition with one another. They're going to reduce rates is one, one way of being able to get money out the door. They, they cut their margins and they reduce rates. So that could well happen. So if you are um, thinking now, like, you know, I'm coming off my fixed rate, but I, I, so I need to refinance because I don't want to go on, the, on a 7.5% standard variable rate. Refinancing onto a tracker with no early repayment charges, if it's low, is not necessarily a bad thing. We then refinance you know, at some point early next year when we believe the right time is. And look, it is a little bit like the bomb, the bomb game. Do you remember the bomb game on Capital Radio? Um, when I was growing up, it was Chris Tarrant on the radio. They do the bomb game where somebody would have to sit and there's somebody just keeps reading off higher and higher and higher amounts of money. Um, and then it, the longer you wait, they keep going higher and higher. But at some point, the bong's going to go and then you leave with nothing. It's going to be a bit like that next year. You know, when is the right time to um, to, to, to go in and, and get your fixed rate uh, next year? You know, who knows at the moment. But if you're thinking about what to do right now, explore both. But the key for me is the early repayment charges. Don't get tied into a tracker rate that is just going to keep increases over the next couple of years where you will have to pay early repayment charges to get out of them. Unless the early repayment charges are low, 1%, you might go, actually, I don't know. Um, you know, that might be, you know, you might want to just go, oh, sod it, I'm happy to pay that because it's only going to be X amount. Um, then, you know, it's, it's something to consider. But on the whole, I'd say general advice, I'm not giving advice um, in, the, in the sort of, in the financial advisor sense. It's just, you know, giving my thoughts and feelings on this. Um, you know, it, it would be better to think in those terms. Um, if you're going to get a tracker, don't get tied in. Um, but there are fixed rates coming around at the moment that are still looking pretty decent. Um, Paul, hello, mate. Showing your age. Yeah, well, look, I'm 38 years old. You know, I remember Chris Tarrant on the radio. Um, I, was a, I was a little whippersnapper at the time. But um, yeah, like, I remember when I, when I was when I was at uni, uh, listening to like Radio 1, it was like Edith Bowman um, and Scott Mills and, and people like that that were on the radio. Um, so yeah, do you know, I, I wouldn't even be able to tell you he's on Radio 1 now. Um, just trying to think. I mean, most of the Radio 1 presenters have all moved on to Radio 2 now, haven't they? Um, from when I was growing up, anyway. But there we go. I don't listen to any of those radio stations now. Um, don't really listen, listen to the radio all that much. Maybe Radio X every now and again. Because um, I'm a bit of a, a, bit of a rocker. 
don't know why I had to do that in a Welsh accent, but there we go, if that even was a Welsh accent. But anyway, hopefully that helped you guys. Did it help? If, it, if any of you found that bit of insight interesting, helpful at all, give us a thumbs up. Use the little heart button down here to, to do that. Basically, what that does, it really helps me out because it, it tells Instagram that I'm doing a good job and it gets more people onto the live, which is what we want. The more people on the live, more people we can help, more stuff we can discuss, um, and it's all good for everyone. So keep hitting that heart button throughout the, the course of this live um, and it will bring more and more people on. Ah. Dr. Daniel Moses, Lord Dr. Daniel Moses has joined. Um, hello, mate. How are we doing? And for those of you who don't know, I'll be one of the uh, the panellists at, uh, at Daniel's event coming up soon. 28th of September, isn't it? September? November. I'm all over the shop today. Um, first day back from holiday. You can forgive me. Uh, but yeah, 28th of November down at Bromley Football Club. If you're in the area, swing by, say hi. Um, I'll be one of the panellists uh, discussing, discussing what's going on in the market at uh, Daniel's event um, down there. Yes, November. Thank you, mate. <laughs> right. Um, for any of you that want to ask me a question, question box down there. Um, I'm going to keep rolling because we're, we're at 31 minutes. I'm probably going to go to about 5-2-10-2 today. Um, still got a bit of work to catch up on. So, should we go to Jackie next? Hello, Jackie. Um, Jackie asks, hi, Sam. In terms of buy to let, what is the longest term of mortgage you can get if you are already coming up to 60 next birthday and not having the greatest credit file, no debts owing or nothing? This is a really interesting question. I don't think all of it's going to come up on one page because I don't. It, it doesn't give me a lot of room. This is really interesting. So let's let's talk about one fundamental of a buy to let mortgage that um, um, yeah you've said buy to let. Just making sure. One of the differences between buy to let and residential. Now, generally speaking, with a residential mortgage, the repayment method is going to be what we call capital and interest, otherwise known as a repayment mortgage. What that means is every single month, you're not only paying the interest, but you're paying a little bit towards the balance as well. So as you go down, the balance goes down and down and down and down, um, and you you actually pay less and less interest each month because you're, the interest is based on the outstanding balance. So with every month that goes by, you're actually paying off more and more and more and more of the balance until it gets down to zero. Um, which is why when you actually see, if there's a graph of how you pay off a mortgage, it kind of goes um, like that. Let's do that again, like that. Um, not like that. Um, so in the first like five, six, seven years, you don't actually pay that much off the balance. You pay more off than the final six, seven years. Um, and what a lot of residential mortgage lenders will do is they will have a cap um, as, as to how old you are at the end because they don't want it going, necessarily going into retirement, having to take into, into account potential future pension income. That's going to be quite tricky for them to work out. But the longer your term as a result, the less your monthly payments are because you have a longer period of time to pay off the debt. Now, with a buy-to-let mortgage, most of my clients, I'd say 99% of my clients, will use an interest-only repayment method. And what that basically means is you just pay the interest for the mortgage every single month, the same amount every single month. The balance does not decrease. Um, so basically, however long the loan is, whether it's for a year or 10 years or 30 years or 40 years, the monthly payment is gonna be exactly the same. So it makes no real difference. Um, so how does this relate to Jackie's question? Well, um, if you're coming up to 60, there might be lenders that will say, we're happy for you to go up to 70, 75 at the end of the term. So but, though, but just because you're only going to have a 10 or maybe even a 15 year term, it's not going to make any difference to your monthly payments. Um, now, I would suggest that if you are um, looking at investing at that sort of age, um, that you probably want to be thinking even more about your strategy for either, um, you know, 
passing those properties on, a, leg, a, leg, a sort of a legacy inheritance kind of policy um, or strategy, sorry, I should say, um, to, to how you're going to get rid of them and pay as little tax as possible, um, or how you're going to actually pay off the mortgage or how you're going to sell or if you're going to sell those properties and when you're likely to do that, um, because you're not going to have them for as long as somebody who's in their 20s that's investing and they you know, they can just go, yeah, stick it on 25 year, um, buy to let, uh, interest only mortgage term. I don't need to worry about it, really. Um, I think everyone should have a long-term plan in their mind. Um, if you're buying a limited company, and by the way, this isn't tax advice, I can't give tax advice, and I wouldn't anyway, um, not on a live when it's all general, but generally speaking, um, you know, if you're in a limited company, having a mortgage is not necessarily a bad thing because it's tax efficient. You, the, the interest is uh, as a tax deductible corporate expense, which means you can um, offset it against your, uh, your corporation tax. Whereas if you've got a property in your own name that you're renting out, the, uh, the interest that you're paying on that mortgage is not a personal tax deductible expense. Therefore, you're paying tax on the full amount of rent that you get you're bringing in, minus maybe some maintenance and whatnot. Um, but the, the interest is not coming off your tax bill. So it makes more sense to pay off your mortgages if they're in personal name than it does if they're in limited company name. But either way, you probably want a, a plan. I think most of my investors, most of my clients look to try and get them down long term. The idea is build and we kind of look at a two a two sit two step strategy, which is the building, which is where you leverage, you got seventy five percent, and every time you refinance, you put it back up to seventy five percent, pull money out as the price value of the property grows and grows and grows, and then when you get to the point where you have you've got enough properties in your portfolio, you then want to consolidate. Every time we refinance, we either don't raise capital, so we just keep it as it is, so we let the market degrade our. Um, our property, uh, sorry, our mortgages. So, you know, they might start for 75%. Five years later, it might be 73% because the property value goes up and 71%, 69%, 64% and so on and so forth. And they just keep doing that. Or sometimes they will take the 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 the, the mortgage, sorry, the, the net cash flow that they make, they keep it in the company and every sort of two to five years, they make lump sum um, overpayments then at that point um, to bring those down with the, with the idea of getting it somewhere between 50 and 60%. Uh, anything below 60%, you're getting the best mortgage rates on the market. So that is more efficient to do it that way. And also that is like a double whammy in terms of increasing your cash flow. And that's when you can really start enjoying your cash flow, turn on the taps, go on holiday, go and live in the Bahamas. I don't know. Um, that's that's kind of the strategy. So have a long-term idea and goal of what you're trying to achieve. And this is funnily enough, one of the things I talked about to my clients really early on in the process. In fact, probably on the first call that I have with any client, I ask them what their long-term goals are. What are your objectives? What are, And how long are you envisaging that it's going to take you to get there? Um, that's really, really important. I want to know, you know, what you want to do and how quickly you want to get there because that actually changes the type of advice that I will give. Because I've got some clients, and there's no wrong or right answer, by the way, guys. I've got some clients that will want to buy properties and, you know, buy one a year or one every two, three years because they only really have ambitions because property is only one part of their investment and wealth strategy. And it should actually be for, for everyone. You should always have other things. Um, so you're diversifying um, your your portfolio of investments. Um, but the property side for them might just be long term. I'll get to five or six properties. That's fine. I'm good with that. I'll get my, my, lo my loans down to 50% and I'll be making, you know, £700 per property. Um, and that's, you know, that's a nice wedge. I'm happy with that. That is what some people do. The others, I've got other clients who've got hundreds of properties um, and they just keep, and I get a call from them every couple of weeks. Bought another one, bought another one, need a bridge, need a mortgage. This one needs remortgaging. 
you know so the, and 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 how i work with those clients and how my team works with those clients is very very different so um so it's always very good to know what your long-term strategy is what your long-term plan is and how quickly you really want to get there because that will influence how you go about doing what you're doing um, and what kind of finance you're going to be using as well, to be honest. Because if you're only going to buy five properties in 15 years, you just need to know how mortgages work. If you need to, if you want to buy 15 properties um, in five years, um, then you're going to need to know how bridging and development finance works. Simple as that. I hope that was helpful, Jackie. Was that helpful? If you're on the call, um, make yourself known um, and uh, just comment below with a little thumbs up or whatever comment you want to make. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully that helped. Not just Jackie, but all of you as well. If you do want to ask a question, guys, don't forget just to use the question box down here. Don't put it into the comments uh, because as you've seen, um, Alan, um, Samuel, Adam, K-O-3-Y-E um, have joined and they would have just pushed it out of the way and I've forgotten all about it because I mean, I forgot that it was November just now. I thought it was Friday earlier on, um, so so I'm not gonna yeah, I'm not gonna remember to check up and uh, and check for your questions. So make sure you put it down in the question box. Jackie, thank you so much. I'm very very glad to have been of of service. Um, so a couple of questions still to go. Let's go to Ken's uh, question, which is what is the current average rate for seventy five percent for a bridging loan? Great question. When we started seeing the increase in rates, when the Bank of England started to increase their base rate back towards the beginning of the year, end of last year, um, bridging rates didn't really do nothing, didn't really change, didn't really go up. The margins were so bloody great that they could pretty much absorb it. And there is so much competition for bridging lending in the UK that um, it was kind of one of those where it was like, well, you're not increasing your rates, so I can't increase my rates because otherwise I'm going to lose out to you. You've got, you even even up in Manchester, we've got like like 12 to 20 bridging, decent sized bridging lenders all up in just in one city. Manchester is like the home of bridging, by the way, just in case any of you are wondering. Um, and you're, you know, they, they're all they're all looking over, the, over their shoulder at each other and no one was budging. It's only really been in the last couple of weeks, months, that we've seen um, changes. I always think that Shawbrook's a great little barometer. Um, they are, Shawbrook, for the longest of times, they're, hello, JP, how we doing? Um, they have, uh, they kind of match the loan to value with their monthly interest rate. So um, they'll go, uh, you know, the 75% uh, loan to value 0.75, 85% um, loan to value 0.85, etc. So I always use them as a bit of a barometer. Now they've actually gone up. Um, if you're going to get a 75% loan to value bridge with Shawbrook, I think it's 0.78%. So that gives you an idea of where we are. There are still lenders that are offering, you know, 50% loan to value at 0.6%, 0.65%. Some are doing, um, you know, 75% loan to value bridges at 0 0.76, 0 0.78, 0 0.79. But that's roughly where we're at at the moment. So 75% loan to value bridge for a decent lender that's going to do it at a half decent pace. We are probably looking at somewhere between 0.75 and 0.8. That is roughly what we're looking at at the moment. There will be some lenders. I had some terms off a lender the other day for at 0.94%. Um, but I know that they are going to be like mega quick and they're going to get it done in a couple of weeks. So my client didn't really need to get it done that quickly. Um, so I said to him, look, do you want to get it done two weeks? He went, no, don't need to get it done. As long as it's four weeks is probably what we're after. We were able to go back to the market. Um, we're not back to the market. I just chose a different lender where we got terms that was at, um, I think it was at 0.79 in the end, which which was which was great for that particular deal. So that's roughly where we're at, Ken's. How's how's that um Ken, sorry, how is uh how's that? Is that roughly what everyone else is seeing at the moment? Has anyone 
got terms on a bridging loan at 75% loan to value recently for less than 0.75. I'll be interested to know. That's name, not name and shame, that's name and, and thumbs up those lenders. 75% loan to value, below 0.75% on a bridge. Anyone, anyone wanna raise me 0.75? Put it in the comments. Um, I would say that that's roughly what we're at at the moment. I'm actually, I'm always, I'm always actively, actively encouraging my clients to borrow less on bridging. Um, most of my clients don't listen to me and they go to like 85%, which hey, as long as it works, it's good. I do understand there is a, um, an opportunity cost to putting more money into deals. You've got less held back for the next one or other opportunities that may arise. Um, but if they, you get a double whammy on your bottom line positively by, by borrowing less on a bridge. You borrow less, so actually you just the cost of the, of the funding goes down because of that, but you also, it also makes a significant impact on the um, on the interest rate as well. Taking it down just to 70% loan to value will make a decent, decent, decent difference. Um, and that often means that the, the the deal itself just stacks up that little bit better. So Ken, Ken's home restoration, hopefully that helped. I've got no one that's joined on the comments and said um, they, they are looking, uh, they reckon they've got something less than 75%. So just goes to show that uh, I'm pretty there or thereabouts. <laughs> Good Ken, um, no problem, problem at all. If you need any, Pardon me, any help with anything. A little hiccup come out halfway through that conversation. If you need any help with anything, that's like the sixth time I've done my little wax on, wax off of that. Um, please, please get in touch. Uh, me and the team of Grand Union are more than happy to help. Um, cool. Thanks, Ken. Should we get on to our, I think we're on to the last two questions of the day, which is probably roughly what time we've got left. So, um, Invest in Tash has asked, when using a bridging loan and wanting to put an offer down, but the estate agent is asking for proof of funds, how do you go, uh, how do you get around that? We go and get bridging terms. However, what I do, so I talk to agents a lot. I had a really great conversation with an agent today. Not all agents are horrible, guys. In fact, I quite like estate agents. It's all about just understanding how they work. Most estate agents are used, to, if, you, if you think, right, let's, let's just talk about the market as a whole, okay? The market as a whole, um, over 60%, in fact, I'd say as much as 65% of all transactions for, for purchases in the UK are done for residential purchases. What do you do to prove your funds on a residential purchase? You get a decision in principle, which shows your affordability to borrow the amount of money that you need to buy the property. And then you add that to your source of deposit, which will be on a savings account, send it to them, bish, bash, bosh. That's what they're used to. In fact, so many um, of these estate agents might not even have come across anyone that's buying it for investment purposes, let alone using a bridging loan. So they need to just be educated into how things change. And it's a case of, right, Mr. Agent, Mrs. Agent, um, in fact, today it was Mrs. Agent. She was bloody brilliant, Hannah. She was very, very lovely to speak to. Um, we have to speak to them about how we make this work because ultimately, they need to understand that it's a lot of work for us to go away and get bridging terms in place to show them the heads of terms um, only for them to come back and say, no, offer's rejected. So what we need them to do is, um, and what I say to my clients, if you're buying with a bridge, this is what you should do. Send your formal offer to your um, to your agent um, and you say, I'm making a formal offer of X, um, I will be using part cash and part bridging finance to do so. Please find attached. Um, my source of deposit um, on a um, on a, a bank statement, so you can show if that's my my deposit. The rest will be coming from a bridging loan. Um, my broker Sam is copied in, um, and he'll be able to discuss with you what you need to cover off the remaining points. Um, 
also please see my ID proof of address um, and details of my solicitor. Um, please can you find out whether this the offer I'm putting forward will be accepted subject to proof of funds. So they don't need to send over the memorandum of sale or anything like that. We just need to know um, that the, 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 the agent goes to the, to, the, to the vendor, goes to the seller and says, um, this client is putting down an offer of 200 grand. Would you accept that? I'm, I'm, wait, I need, I'm waiting on, they're gonna buy it, use it with a bridge, which is good for you, Mr. Client, it's gonna be really quickly, quick. It's gonna be almost like as quick as, as, a, as, as a cash purchase. Um, and we're gonna get, uh, and, and that's how they're gonna do it. They're gonna, the, I've spoken to the broker, sometimes I'll just speak to them as well. And, uh, and they've said that they can, uh, they can get those done within 24 hours. Are you happy for me to give the go ahead to this, uh, to this buyer to go and get their bridging terms in place um, uh, to cover that off? Um, will you be happy with this with this offer? They say yes, we can then go and get those bridging terms. Now, I'm not being funny, but before then, I've generally spoken to the client, gone through, done a bit of a sort of bridging calculator to work out what the kind of return on capital invested, how much money we're gonna have to put in, how much money we're gonna get back out, recycled, left in, all those lovely things that you need to know when it comes to BRR, buyer refurbished refinance deals. And that's really um, what we do first and foremost, because then we know what the kind of maximum we're going to. I mean, a lot of my clients are making cheeky bids at the moment. We had one today that went 10% under, under asking um, and didn't get it accepted, but I think they'll probably get it about 8% under asking, which is great. Um, and you never want your first offer to be accepted, by the way, guys. If you go to a, 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 an estate agent, put an offer down, and it gets accepted first first time, you know you're gonna you're, you're gonna be like, oh, I wish I'd maybe got a little bit lower. Who knows what would have what, what would have happened? Particularly if they come back straight away and accept it, there was probably some 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 negotiating room there that you've missed out on. So little tip for you there. Um, but we'll get that offer um, agreed, subject to proof of funds. I'll go away, get the terms, they come back. Um, and then and then we're good to go. So that's how we get around it, Tash. We uh, we have to work with agents a little bit more. Um, if you've got a good broker, um, they will be more than happy to call the, the estate agent. Once you put that offer in, give them a call, explain the situation, talk through how bridging goes. I always say to, to agents, I said, oh, have you have you worked on a, on a transaction before where um, a buyer has been using bridging finance? And I said, I'll be honest, like it, it doesn't matter. I'm not, there's no test here. And some of them will say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know everything about bridging finance. Probably know more than you, Sam, because I'm an agent and everything. Um, and, but many of them will go, no, I haven't actually. Or yes, I have, but, you know, I didn't really get involved too much. And I go, well, look, if you want me to, I'm more than happy to explain how this process differentiates from a standard mortgage application process. Uh, for those of you who are joining late, when this goes onto my feed or when it goes onto the Game on Owns podcast, um, you can rewind to the beginning and I go through the, the bridging process in a bit more detail there. But um, you... I will I'll go through, I'm happy to walk through that with the agent because it, they can understand a little bit more as well. Communication in this process is, it means more than anything. If there are you, the buyer, your broker, the broker's um, case management team, um, estate agents, um, underwriters, solicitors, all these people involved, right? You've got to be keeping that line of communication open all the time. I say to my team all the time, even if there isn't an update, sometimes just let everyone know that we're still on track. If there's, if it's going to take us six days, six working days, for example, to get an update, um, well, two days in, just send a little little update to everyone, just as a, just as a reminder, we're still we're still on track to to get an update on this on this day. Just keeps everyone in the loop. When you don't hear anything, you just assume the worst. It's human nature. So communicating with agents. So important, and any good broker should be very well up to keeping the agent in the loop. And actually, what I've actually found 
is that when you do that, you get you start working as a team, um, and and it's it just means the whole transaction works better. Agents are not the enemy. The vendors are not the enemy. We're all after the same thing. Once that offer has been accepted, we are all after the same thing because. The agent wants to sell at that price. The vendor wants to sell at that price. You want to buy at that price. The lender wants to lend at that price. Like we're all on the same team. So we all get together and we all get it, get it through and we push it through and, and we keep that line of communication open. So, so, so important. Um, so Tash, was that helpful? Are you on, are you on the call at the moment? Um, let me know in the comments what you thought. Um, right, uh, we've got one more question. Quickly, just before I answer this question from Alan, um, I'm actually tomorrow night gonna be at Saj Hussain's um, event. I've never been to one of Saj's um, events before, but is there any of you that are going tomorrow? If there are, um, let me know, uh, because it'd be really nice just to walk in and say hi to a load of people without being that weirdo in the corner. I'm probably gonna put my uh, Grand Union Finance hoodie on, um, so you'll be able to, to see me. Um, but if there are any going to Saj Hussain's event in Birmingham tomorrow, I think it's Kings Norton, um, then just uh, just let me know, either in the comments or send me a DM. Um, it'd be great to, to grab a little coffee um, and have a chat um, during the course of the event. Um, very looking forward to going to, the, to this this one, the first one I've been to. Um, so, uh, so yeah, let me know if you are going, by the way. Um, but let's get back onto the last question of the day, which is from Alan. Do you think the 17th of November budget will rock the boat in the mortgage interest rates again, or are lenders content with their rates now? Very, very, very good question. I think the terminology is is important. Rock the boat. We, it's not going to rock the boat, I don't think, because uh, trust rocks the boat. Uh, when we rock the boat, things get turbulent. Things um, are a bit up and down, um, and uh, things are unstable. Um, I think what is actually more likely to happen is that we're going to see more stability um, in the market as a result of the um, the the budget. Uh, announcement on the 17th of November, this Thursday for everyone. Um, I think it's midday-ish, uh, maybe late morning. Um, and and that's the not that should have the knock-on effect. Everything that we're 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 anticipating is it's going to be all policies to help the economy to make the economy grow to get it back on track, which will have a long-term um, good positive effect on all of us. In the short term, it might not have a real positive effect on all of us. I think they need to get a handle of the the cost of living crisis, the energy crisis. That's the big one for me. Um, they need to, you know, need to need to look into this. I was actually talking um, to Peter Kovaleffi. Um, if you go and uh, check out my most recent Game of Loans podcast episode, or indeed have a look at the live video that we did on Instagram, no, not on Instagram, on YouTube a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about this. Um, you know, how that actually, in hindsight, wouldn't have been brilliant if, if a decade ago, the government put even more money into renewable energy and would be even be in a position right now where we might be selling uh, energy back uh, to, to, to Europe. You know, we're such a windy and wet nation. We should really make use of that. We've got water all the way around. Hydroelectric energy, um, you know, we should be really making use of that. Um, and hopefully this might be the kicker that we need to really invest in that in that part. You know, for me, I would love to um, invest in those kind of uh, projects and those kind of um, those kind of uh, organizations and companies and businesses further down the line. Because I think it's really massive for our country. Um, but expect um, wholesale um, tax increases that are going to benefit the economy, that are going to pay back for all the help that was given out during COVID. As I said, the Sun, the Daily Mail, they're going to tear it to shreds. Um, but us more astute people should understand that this is just the way that it goes. Um, so hopefully, 
hopefully that's uh, that's helpful. As I mentioned earlier on, I am going to be going live on YouTube with the property tax queen herself, uh, Amy Richardson, at 2.30pm on Thursday. So if you're about, make sure that you, uh, you join us for that. Um, I'll probably put some questions uh, or question box, um, I'm sure... Um, uh, Amy will do the same during the day so you guys can ask questions and we'll, we'll try and get those answered but we are just going to be looking through and discussing you know what the outcome we think of, of certain policies are going to be so no pressure on us to get it all right <laughs> um, but if you don't uh, subscribe to my channel already just uh, type in my name Sam Norris on YouTube um, or hit the um, I think the link in my bio might take you through to YouTube, um, but either way, um, go and check that out and, um, and go and subscribe and come and join us at 2.30 where we will be discussing the budget um, and I get to discuss it with the Queen of Property Tax herself, the Property Tax Queen, Amy Richardson, um, so come and join us for that. Um, so guys, if you are late joining us today, uh, don't worry, um, I'm going to do my very best to get this out onto the Game of Loans podcast so you can listen to it on your commute tomorrow. Hopefully I'll get it out in the morning um, and also um, it will go up on my feed so you can watch it back. Go and check out all of the different questions and answers uh, to that. Um, pretty much we're on time. No worries, Alan. Always happy to help. I think we're pretty much on time. 5-2. I try and make it about 55 minutes. Um, mainly because I'm just getting really tired by the end of it. Um, this is really tiring talking for uh, for nearly an hour, um, and we were dead on uh, five o'clock start today. So um, just a quick thanks to everyone that's joined in. Thanks to everyone who asked their questions. Um, would love to know your feedback. If you've got any feedback about this uh, this show and what we can do with it, and anything you think I can do differently, please send me a DM. If you've got any other questions, I haven't had a chance to answer, send me a DM. Um, please do go and subscribe to the Game of Loans podcast if you don't already. There is over 100 episodes of the podcast up now um, covering loads of, interviewing loads of you know property investment royalty on there over the last couple of years. So loads of stuff um, for you to get your teeth into. And if you haven't already, if you've enjoyed tonight, do you enjoyed today, do me a favor, go and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, go and... Um, Go and subscribe to the Game of Loans podcast and give a five-star review on the Game of Loans podcast um, for all of you um, that have enjoyed today's session. That's a thanks to me. That's all I need. Um, helps me get up the charts a little bit. Um, but thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for everyone that's joined in. Hope it was helpful. And I will be back next week on Monday at 5 p.m. for episode 115 of the Monday Mortgage Mail. See you later, kids. Bye. Yep, that's it. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end of the episode, guys. If you have enjoyed this episode or any of the other Game of Loans podcast episodes, please, I would ask you a massive favor to leave a five-star review. It massively helps me grow the podcast and reach more people that will hopefully enjoy the episodes as much as you have. Thank you so much in advance for this, and I'll hopefully see you on the next episode.